The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in again to another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt, and I want to thank you, as always, for taking some time out of your day or your night uh, to join me once again. I certainly do appreciate it. I have to apologize for not recording a regular show last Friday. Of course, we did do the uh, Wednesday show on the Mueller report, uh, but Friday was a little hectic as Saturday we ended up going up to Pittsburgh uh, to see Kiss on their end of the road tour. And I tell you what, you could probably hear it in my voice, and I, I'm sorry that I haven't completely recovered yet. I hope it's uh, still bearable to listen to, but that was the most ridiculous live event I have ever attended in my life. Um, I've been really fortunate in some of the things that I've gotten to go see. I was at WrestleMania 20 in Madison Square Garden, right in the heart of New York City, you know, the biggest show on earth, allegedly. Um, I've been to NFL playoff games, uh, NBA playoff games. Uh, Major League Baseball playoff games. I've seen the Capitals play the Penguins both in uh, D.C. and Pittsburgh, and, of course, that's an enormous rivalry. Don't ever say I'm on the Pittsburgh side of it. I'm not. Uh, I'm a fan of the Stanley Cup champions right now, reigning champions. Um, But this KISS show, it's their end-of-the-road tour. It's supposed to be the last tour they ever do. If you have an opportunity to see this show, you have got to go. Um, like I said, it's the most unbelievable live event I have ever seen. Um, you know, those guys are up there in age. Gene Simmons is 69, Paul Stanley 67, uh, even Tommy Thayer's 60, uh, Eric Singer's 58. And I'll tell you what, those guys put on a better show now than they did when they were in their 20s. Um, you know, there's just nothing like it. Um, they sound just as good in person as they do on their albums. Uh, the show that they put on is just incredible. You know, the lasers, the pyrotechnics, um, you know, guys literally flying around. They actually flew Paul Stanley out to a little stage, and he played right in front of us, played two songs out there. Uh, we were only seven rows up, so it was just ridiculous to get to see him that close. And then they did the, the a similar thing with Gene Simmons at the very end of the show. They had this big arm uh, with a platform on it that they swung him out right over top of our heads. I mean, it was like, you know, to have my horns up and be screaming at the top of my lungs with Gene Simmons looking right at me. I mean, it's something that I'll absolutely never forget. Uh, but again, I do apologize for my voice. I don't think I stopped screaming or singing the whole time I was there. Um, you know, like I said, if they do get close to you, please, please, please do yourself a favor and get there. Um, you know, this is not a sponsored segment. I mean, this is from my heart. I mean, those guys were just, I, I really can't even put it into words, uh, how good they were, you know, and again, for, for two of them pushing 70 and, you know, the other guys, the late fifties and, and 60 years old, you know, I, I would kill at 45 years old to have the energy that they do. You know, uh, Gene's suit of armor weighs 45 pounds. Each of his boots are 10 pounds. Um, you know, to be able to move in that, let alone put on the kind of show that they did, was just absolutely ridiculous. I was very, very, very impressed. Um, you know, I kind of hope it's not the end of the road and I get to see them one more time because there's just there's just nothing like it. You know, those guys invented that type of theatrical performance, and they're still the very best at it. And like I said, uh, musically, everything still holds up as it did, you know, in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. Um, you know, and, and they sound just as good, you know, as they do on their albums. I, I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, getting into the meat of the show, and I 
I hope to God this will be the last time that I have to talk about Jesse Smollett. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of join most Americans in being absolutely disgusted that the 16 felony counts against him were just completely dropped. Um, this is a guy who basically committed a, a hate crime against all of white America um, and specifically against us Trump supporters. You know, I mean, he tried to frame all of us, make all of us look bad um, by what he did. Um, and as we've talked about on the show before, you know, we all had the opportunity to see the two Nigerian brothers buying the items that were used in, in the alleged attack. You know, we saw the red hats and the rope and everything else sitting there on the counter as they were purchasing it. We've seen the canceled check. You know, I mean, I know in the United States, and I preach this all the time, I know in the United States that people are innocent until proven guilty, but, you know, I mean, with the evidence that I saw and you saw laid out there, you know, I mean, there's certainly every reason to believe that uh, Mr. Smollett committed the acts that he was accused of. It's really frustrating to me, too, to continue to hear about white privilege. Um, you know, look at this situation. I've never seen a white person with 16 felony counts against them have everything just completely dismissed. Um, you know, further, I'll bring up the uh, Nick Sandman case again. You know, he was in D.C. wearing a MAGA hat. Um, you know, he was basically accosted by uh, a man of Native, I'm sorry, American Indian descent uh, who alleged to be a Vietnam veteran. He wasn't. Um, this man got in his face and was pounding his war drum and, you know, chanting in his face. And, you know, uh, Nick and his friends were screamed at by uh, members of the black Hebrew Israelites you know, called absolutely everything in the book while Nick just stood there and didn't do anything. And you see how that was presented in the media. They made him the enemy. They said he got in the face of the uh, American Indian gentleman. You know, they said he and his friends were causing the problems that, you know, he was getting in everybody's faces and smirking at them and all this stuff. And in reality, when you watch the full-length video, absolutely none of that happened. So it's like here we are trying to criminalize you know, uh, a white kid who didn't even do anything wrong. And then all of a sudden, you know, when we've got a black man who's charged with 16 felonies, oh, we're going to make all of that go away. You know, and, and we've talked about affirmative action and different things on this show as well, which is the only legal discrimination that's happened in my lifetime. You know, and if you're younger than me, you know, again, I'm 45 years old. If you're younger than me, it's the only legal discrimination you've seen in your lifetime, too. And I do realize that there are people in this country that are living now who have been discriminated against, you know, people who did live through segregation, um, you know, and it's, it's disgusting that in this day and age we have people alive who saw that happen. Um, there's absolutely no excuse for that. There's certainly no excuse for uh, slavery, which is certainly the biggest black eye on the uh, on our country, you know, and there's there's no taking that away. But. You know, again, I, I don't understand why we are trying to correct discrimination with more discrimination. You know, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but that just doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Um, but that's what we seem to do. Um, I continue to have the utmost respect for Police Commissioner Eddie Johnson, uh, who was absolutely irate that these charges were dropped. Um, you know, I, I get the impression that he would like to have five minutes in a locked room with Jesse Smollett, you know, and, and handle business himself. You know, I mean, he being a black man, he understands the symbolism. 
um, you know, certainly more than I do, of the, the noose around Mr. Smollett's neck, um, you know, of attempting to bleach himself and all those good things, you know, it's it's just absolutely disgusting. And, you know, the, the police commissioner just continues to be um, <laughs> the adult in this situation. You know, he's the one standing up for truth and justice and what's right and ignoring skin color. Um, it, <laughs> you know you're wrong. When even Rahm Emanuel, uh, the mayor of Chicago, who served during in the Obama administration, I believe he was chief of staff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but when even Rahm Emanuel is upset with uh, how this case was handled and what was done, you're wrong. I mean, it really is that simple. Um, it really bothered me, too, that apparently uh, Michelle Obama's former chief of staff contacted Kim Fox, who's the prosecutor in Chicago, um, we don't know what was said. We don't know what the, the guts of the conversations that they had were. Um, but I do know that shortly after that, uh, Kim Fox actually resigned, or I'm sorry, re- recused herself from the case. She recused herself. Um, and there, then very shortly after that, all of the charges were dropped. Um, you know, if it looks like a rat and it smells like a rat, odds are pretty good it's a rat. Um and it's just a shame that, uh, you know, that that's the way things went down. I think it's sad, too, that um, Mr. Smollett is continuing to further the racial divide in this country. You know, I mean, you notice there have been a lot fewer conversations about racial issues. Um, there have been a lot fewer uh, broadcasts about racial problems on TV since the end of the Obama administration. You know, and I, I really think the former president did do a lot to further those issues that we were having back then. Not to say that race problems and race crimes have been totally corrected. Of course they haven't. Of course there are racists out there. Of course there are white supremacists. Um, you know, of, of course there are people that, you know, look at the new Black Panther Party, you know, who showed up with weapons in Philadelphia and intimidated white people who were trying to go to the polls. Those things are still happening. They are still a problem. They are things that we need to be focused on correcting. Um, But it's really sad that one man can drive such a wedge, you know, between races again. Um, You know, I I personally am highly offended by the fact that he alleged that two white people did this and further that they were Trump supporters. I'm a white Trump supporter. You know, I mean, you're you're trying to make me look like a racist. You are committing these hate crimes against me. And I have a problem when that happens. And I hope the federal government will step in. I hope the FBI will take a look at this case and consider charging him with hate crimes since the city of Chicago dropped the ball. Well, I shouldn't say the city of Chicago because, like I said, Mayor Emanuel and uh, Police Commissioner Johnston are, are very upset about this. And I know they'd like to see a prosecutor to the fullest extent. It's the prosecutor's office that dropped the ball. But... Hopefully the FBI can step in and make some necessary corrections and we as a nation continue to grow and heal and move forward. In keeping with the theme of issues that have been absolutely beaten into the ground lately, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the Mueller report. If you tuned into the show last week, you know we did a special edition on Wednesday um, about the report having been released, but there continue to be new developments Um, Attorney General Barr actually did a really good job um, making Congress aware of what the primary conclusions of the Mueller report were. 
and doing so in a timely manner. Um, you know, he got it out within a couple of days uh, and explained to them that there was no collusion or no evidence of obstruction listed in the report. Um, he made that happen as quickly as he possibly could. Of course, that's still not good enough for congressional Democrats. Apparently, he was supposed to have gone through 400 pages in a day, um, decided what was matters of national security, you know, redacted all of the grand jury information that must be kept secret, um, you know, and apparently he was supposed to do this in less than 24 hours. You know, I mean, the, the man has been as courteous as he can possibly be to the members of Congress, and he should be. You know, they deserve answers as quickly as possible and, and things sent to them as timely as it can possibly be done. And I think he's done that up until now. But uh, congressional Democrats are continuing to make it look like he's signing something, like he doesn't want to release a full report, like there's something in there that, you know, they're going to find that uh, is going to totally overturn the investigation that Bob Mueller did. And they they just aren't being reasonable in the amount of time that they're giving him to do that. Furthermore, they want the entire report completely unredacted. Um, they want the million-plus pages of supporting documents that go along with that. You know, I guess Attorney General Barr was supposed to have read through all million pages of that, too, um, to make sure it was okay to release it to Congress and to the general public. You know, I don't know how long it would take you to read a million pages. I'm not sure I'm going to live long enough to read a million more pages in my lifetime, and certainly that can't be expected of the Attorney General either. Um, they're accusing him of stalling. It's it's not stalling. I mean, there's only there's only so much a human being can do to get through the report and the evidence that's laid in front of him, you know, fast enough for um, these Democrats in Congress. Which, you know, like I said, it, it seems as though no matter what he did or how fast he did it, nothing was going to be good enough. It really bothers me too that throughout the course of this investigation. Democrats kept hammering, Mueller has to be allowed to do his job. Mueller has to be allowed to do his job. The president can't fire Mueller. He might have the legal right to do so, but he can't because if he does, it's obstruction of justice. Mueller's going to get the truth. Mueller's going to get the answers. Mueller's going to get us what we need. Well, he did, and he found no evidence of collusion, no evidence of obstruction. You know, That's the bottom line because Bob Mueller said so. You know, he was the special investigator, the special prosecutor. He was the one that poured over those million pages of documents. He was the one that wrote the 400-page report. And now all of a sudden, these Democrats in Congress know better than he does. Give me a break, you know. And again, as we've talked about on the show previously, that's why they're going after Trump's tax returns. That's why he's going. To, they're going after every business deal he's ever done because the Mueller report was a complete failure. Well, to them, it was a complete failure. To us, it was a resounding success and reinforced everything that we had been saying and everything that every right and reasonable American knew, that there was no collusion with the Russians. There just wasn't. So that's why they're now going after all of these other things, because they had a predetermined conclusion in their mind, and what Mueller came up with didn't fit that conclusion. You know, it's like these cases that we see Democrats saying, oh, you know, this white police officer shot this black kid and a black kid didn't do anything wrong. And he was a model citizen and a straight A student. And yes, he was 19, but here's a picture of him when he was six. You know, look how cute and cuddly he is. And he never hurt anyone. Well, then all of a sudden we find out that that's not what actually happened. The white cop gets acquitted 
and they're up in arms and they start burning cities down because the result of the case didn't fit their predetermined conclusion. It's not how things happen in the United States of America. We're innocent, presumed innocent, until proven guilty. And that includes the president of the United States. Bob Mueller proved that he was innocent of colluding with the Russians. Bob Mueller proved that he was innocent of obstructing justice. And I'm sorry if it doesn't fit the narrative that Democrats were trying to push on us without any evidence. But I'm sorry about their bad luck. That's what happened. You know, that's what we all knew. And it only disappoints them because they had a conviction already sorted out in their mind before the investigation was even done. They deserve to be disappointed because they're wrong. At this point in the show, I want to take things in a completely different direction. You know, when I started the Treehouse of Liberty podcast, I had no intention of criticizing Democrats every week or really criticizing anybody every week. You know, I just wanted to make my thoughts known and, you know, kind of give my opinion on the direction of the country. And unfortunately, with a lot of the news that's out there right now, I find it being uh, divisive and frustrating. And I do find myself being more critical than I usually am. And I kind of want to get away from that uh, here a little bit over the next couple of weeks. So what I've decided to do, um, most of you know that I'm a constitutional conservative, or at least that's what I consider myself if you've you've listened to the show for any length of time. And so what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks is I'm going to go down through the Bill of Rights, which most of you know is the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, and I'm going to explain what those things mean to me. because I think that's a very positive thing that our forefathers did for us uh, and laid out for us, and I think we need to uh, be appropriately appreciative of those things. Like I said, I I think they are very, very positive. I'm going to start where you probably should, and that's with the First Amendment. Um, You know, it's first. I think it's the most important. Um, Certainly it's the one that they gave to us uh, right off the bat, and I think they felt it was most important. Um, gives us the right to free speech, the right to assemble, gives us a free press, freedom of religion, and the right to petition the government. What really amazes me still um, is that if you look around this world, there are still a lot of countries where people don't have the right to criticize their government at all. Um, And to me, that would be a horrifying situation to be in, you know, obviously with the show. I tend to be very bold and upfront and honest, and I I tend to be critical a lot of times. Um, Fortunately, as an American citizen, I have the right to criticize everyone up to and including the President of the United States. And how refreshing is that, and how important is that to a democratic republic? Um, I don't think you can have a democratic republic or a good government of any kind if your people aren't allowed to speak freely and you know, explain how they actually feel. Um, how does change get made if we don't make our leaders aware of what we want to see change? Um, and that certainly doesn't mean that society is going to accept all speech, um, but at least we can't be arrested for uh, those things. You know, and society doesn't accept all speech. Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's like I can say the words cracker and white devil and, you know, any other name that you can think of to describe Caucasians. Um, but when you talk about insults hurled at minorities, I can't say the N-word. You know, I, I can't say other words about other ethnic groups. Not that I want to. I certainly don't. 
Um, but I, I really don't have the ability to do that. You know, is that fair? You know, that certain people seem to have complete free speech and certain people don't. Maybe it's not. But I, I feel like we as a society set standards for ourselves. And that's where we are right now. You know, I, I would like to see eventually a United States where all of those, you know, racial epithets go away. I'm not real optimistic about that, to be perfectly honest. But I would like to see that. Because after all, the First Amendment guarantee of freedom of speech protects speech that's unpopular. Um, if you think about it, you know, popular speech doesn't need protection. If you're out there saying something that everybody agrees with, you know, there, there's no need to protect you. It's those people that have something to say that's not popular, that's not convenient, that's not something that most people want to hear. Those are the people that need to be protected. And I actually include in that people that burn the American flag. Um, as a former soldier, it might surprise you to hear me say that, but I do think they have the right to do that. I do also think the NFL players that have knelt during the playing of the national anthem have a right to do that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I, I swore an allegiance to the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of the United States guarantees freedom of speech for everyone. Um, you know, fortunately, that allows me the opportunity to speak freely about people that burn my flag or people that kneel when the Star Spangled Banner's played. I think they're assholes. I have no respect for them. You know, um, <laughs> when I think about my forefathers, you know, and even members of my family, I mean, for gosh sakes, my grandfather was a first wave Omaha Beach D-Day vet. You know, you're disrespecting him when you burn his flag, when you kneel during his national anthem. Um, but again, you know, I, I think they have the right to do that, and it is that unpopular speech, as unpopular as those things may be, that does need to be protected. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the other major benefit to free speech is that it makes the idiots easier to spot. You know, if you didn't have the Colin Kaepernick's out there kneeling down, if you didn't have the morons out there burning the flag, you know, we might not be able to see quickly enough that there are people that we don't want to associate with. But I think if you're going to have a democratic republic, everyone needs to be able to speak freely. Everyone needs to be able to demonstrate freely, as long as it's peaceful, peaceful of course. Um, and then we can kind of figure out from there, you know, whose ideas are the best and whose we want to embrace and whose we want to get rid of. Um, I think probably the second most important part of the First Amendment is freedom of the press. We can't be everywhere all the time. You know, I can't be in Washington, D.C. I certainly can't be in the White House. I can't be in the Middle East to see what's going on over there. I have no clue what's going on in Africa half the time. You know, and so we have to rely on a free press to be able to report that information and bring us the news that we can't acquire ourselves. Certainly there are a lot of biased networks out there. And I, I would put Fox News on that list. You know, I, I'm a conservative, and generally they preach the kind of things that I like to hear. But they're definitely biased, you know, and they're, they're biased towards the conservative slant. You know, in the meantime, CNN and the other networks really seem to be biased towards a liberal slant. You know, I don't think Fox is fair and balanced, but I think Fox helps to balance out some of the information that we get from these other media outlets. 
I almost wish I could have grown up in a day, and I remember the tail end of his career, but I wish I could have grown up in a day where we had Walter Cronkite and you knew that you could trust that what he was saying was what was actually happening. You know, in this day and age, we have every single piece of information on planet Earth in our pockets. And I think it's harder to find the truth now than it ever has been before. You know, but I'm glad that, you know, whatever their slant may be, that our media is able to report the way they see fit. Um, I'm glad we do have all that information out there. Um, You know, I, I give thanks for the people that are able to sort through the slants you know, and use multiple sources and find out what the real story is, you know, I I hope that we can all do that, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, there are countries where if you present the wrong slant, you go to jail. My grandmother had a foreign exchange student back in the day from Venezuela, and fortunately she still keeps in touch with our family, and that's the way things are down there. You know, you don't report what the regime wants you to say, clink, clink, you're gone. You disappear. Your family doesn't even know where you are. Now, that's not to say that people like Jim Acosta, who are disruptive and committed borderline assault against a White House staffer, should be allowed back in the White House. They shouldn't. You know, that's not the kind of freedom that we're talking about here. Um, You know, I, I think that he's got no business being part of the White House press corps. And everybody says, well, if you kick him out, then that's not a free press. Well, that's simply not true because CNN has something like 150 other White House press credentials. You know, so they're still able to get in there and get the information that they want and report it the way they see fit, which, again, is going to be with a more liberal slant. But turn on Fox News and you're going to get the other side. Something else is critically important in this country and something that our founders fled uh, was not having freedom of religion. And, of course, we do here. It's bothered me lately that it's been such a touchy subject. You know, just because we're electing Muslims to Congress does not mean that we're going to implement Sharia law in the United States. And I just I shake my head every time I see a Facebook post to that effect because it's so completely ridiculous. Um, You know, I I understand that it was Muslim terrorists that attacked us on 9-11. That does not mean every Muslim is a terrorist. Um, You know, I've even seen people complaining about the fact that, you know, these Muslim members of Congress have been sworn in on the Quran. I, I mean, why shouldn't they be allowed to do that? You know, that is the holy book that means something to them. The Bible happens to be the holy book that means something to me. Why would I be sworn sworn in on something that I don't believe in? You know, and it, it would make no sense for a Muslim to be sworn in on the Bible. You know, that's not their holy book. Um, but I think it's absolutely awesome that we have the opportunity. You know, if you want to worship God, you can. If you want to worship Allah, you can. If you want to worship Satan, you can. If you want to worship Hulk Hogan, you can. Um, you may be criticized. And certainly if you worship Hulk Hogan, I'm going to take issue with you. But um, you can't be arrested, which is awesome. You know, it kind of goes back to free speech. You know, you have the right to speak the way you want to. You have the right to practice your faith the way you want to. And those things are so incredibly important. Of course, this doesn't protect violence. Um, If someone decides to shoot up a synagogue because they don't believe, you know, the the way the Jews that worship there do or shoot up a mosque because of uh, the way Muslims uh, believe there, 
or you know spray painting hate symbols on a church or whatever it is you know that that stuff's not protected um, and I don't care what religion you are you know you can't commit acts of violence and certainly you can't um, you know attack other people in that way um, that'll always be criminal and it always should be um, one of the things that has kind of come to bother me about the freedom of religion is that people completely forget the second part of the Establishment Clause. Um, the Establishment Clause says that Congress shall make no law with respect to the establishment of religion. Here's the kicker. Nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. So you know what? All these crosses that are being taken down because you can see them from an interstate you know, other religious symbols that are being taken down, the Ten Commandments taken out of courthouses or whatever it may be, and that is what our law is based on, by the way. Um, you know, those those things really shouldn't be happening. You know, if, if we're going to bring up the Establishment Clause, then we've got to bring up all of the Establishment Clause. You know, we can't be restricted from practicing religion either. There is no freedom from religion in this country. And I don't know what the big deal is anyway. You know, I mean, if I see a Star of David, okay, whatever. You know, that's not my faith, but all right. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> Pardon me. If I see a crescent moon, I have no problem with that. If I see a pentagram, I have no problem with that. You know, I'm secure enough in my own beliefs that those things aren't going to bother me. And so, you know, I hope we do get back to the idea of not having freedom from religion in this country, but rather true freedom of. Um. Obviously, the right to assemble in protest peacefully is absolutely awesome. I feel like it's a real cornerstone and something that makes this country really different from a lot of others. In other countries, many other countries, if you assemble a large group, they see it as a threat. Uh, certainly, we all remember the massacre in Tiananmen Square. You know, The military would not have been called out in that situation in the United States. Those people were being peaceful and just trying to make their voices heard. Um, and that really is the key piece of this, is being peaceful. You know, it doesn't give you the right to go out and burn and loot and commit acts of violence or incite people to commit acts of violence. Where that happens, our response should be swift and it should be complete. You know, we can't tolerate that. You know, we can't tolerate the way many of the protests after President Trump was elected took place. We can't support what happened in Ferguson, Missouri. You know, if those people had gone out there and expressed what they wanted to peacefully, they would have had my full support. I might not have agreed with the message, but they would have had my full support to do what they did had they acted peacefully, had they decided not to burn their own town to the ground for absolutely no reason. But we have to support the rights of those people that we disagree with to assemble as well. You know, whether it's a white hate group, a black hate group, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. All of those people are allowed to assemble, and all of those people are allowed to speak their mind. And again, those are situations where it makes the idiots easier to spot, you know, so we know who to stay away from. And counter-protest, you know, God bless the peaceful counter-protests. I'm very proud of my hometown of Cumberland, Maryland. A couple years ago, the Ku Klux Klan actually got a permit to hold a rally on our courthouse steps. 
and the rally was supposed to start at 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, I got there at 7.30 hoping to counter-protest. And even though I got there an hour and a half early, my fellow citizens had already run a clan out of town just with their voices. No violence. They ran them out with their voices. And that's the way it's supposed to be done. That's the beauty of yours and my United States of America. You know, that's the way things should happen. And finally, the First Amendment gives us the right to uh, petition our government for the redress of grievances. Um, not only can you read a free press, you can speak on those events freely, you can pray publicly for a solution, you can actually write to and confront peacefully your government. You can sue them. Odds are pretty good that you're going to lose, but you can do it. <laughs> um, but I think it's awesome that we have the ability to go straight to our government and to try to get these things that uh, are wrongs to be righted. Um, that, again, is completely different than what our founders came from. Over there, the, the king's actions were final. You know, our founders had to submit to his will. And in having had to live that way, they made absolutely sure that we wouldn't have to. You know, our Constitution was probably the first founding government document um, that actually limited the rights of government and laid out specific rights for the people. You know, it's not an all-encompassing list of rights for the people, but you know what? For the government, it is. It's got enumerated powers. If it's not listed on those pieces of paper, the federal government can't do it. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I, I can't tell you what the Bill of Rights means to me, you know, or, or what a big part of my heart that they hold. Um, you know, I, I'm truly overwhelmed and awe-inspired when I think about the fact that, you know, those men who were persecuted in England and those men who did have to live under a tyrannical rule and those men who were told what their faith was going to be, those men who couldn't speak out against it, made absolutely sure that me and my kids and their kids and no generation of Americans would ever have to deal with that. You know, they they did us an incredible service that we'll forever be indebted for. And I'm glad they did. And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Ran over a little bit on time this week, but some of the things that I wanted to talk about I felt like were important, and I didn't want to condense them down too much if you hung in the whole time. I certainly do appreciate that. As always, your comments, questions, and criticisms are welcome. You can send them to our new Twitter account, which is the Treehouse of Liberty, at Treehouse1776. You can also put them on our Facebook page or send me a message there. That page is also the Treehouse of Liberty. You can use my personal Facebook page, which is Jason Fornwalt. My last name is F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And you can send them to my personal uh, Gmail account, and that is jdfornwalt at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for being here. I know it is you that makes this show go, and so thank you very much. And I will talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>